and welcome to the tech segment of We're Drunk and We Know Things. We are recording live in Pizza Project in sunny, sunny St. Helier. It's night time, dude. Is is it? Uh, We are drinking Goose IPA and all the ales that we could find. Whatever they had in Tesco that was on buy one, get three free. I'm full up the pizzas, so this is really, you know, if, if I nod off, just poke me. You know, you know what I'm talking about. What are we talking about, Mike? This month, it's Christmas, which means X. No, hang on, I've done that wrong. We're on X, which means Xmas. So we do want to have a bloody hell we like, which means Rob's doing crypto. Superman's dog. That's what I do. I drink. And I know things. So yes, we're talking about cryptocurrencies, specifically. Right. Okay. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, significantly geez. less interested then. <laughs> and so's half the audience. Yeah, they're gone. We've lost them already. <laughs> right, so before we get started, I um, have been advised by our legal representation... Right. ...who's also our producer, uh, to read Fuck the following disclaimer. Out, really? Nothing that you will hear over the course of this episode constitutes investment advice... Cryptocurrency is a highly volatile asset class and should only be used if you know what you're doing. And also, if you're getting your investment advice from podcasts, <laughs> maybe take a good, long, hard look at yourself there, mate. Is that real? Yeah. Is that real? Yeah. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> so we're talking about, like, Bitcoin, innit? I kind of want to be sued. No. It's funny for ten minutes. We haven't got any money. It'd be a gag on the next podcast, though. <laughs> What? This podcast is not brought to you because we got sued. Live from jail. It <laughs> would be great. Coming to you live from Lemoy. Think how much people that stab people would love it's this. It's we're completely sober because there's no booze in jail, Mike. No booze in prison. <laughs> brought to you Think by I'll suck your dick for a rolly. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Setting a uh, president. Talking about Bitcoin. Bits. Talking about bits? Talking about bits. And coins. And coins. (laughs) And um, as is more or less tradition at this point, we're going to take a moment to explore the very brief history of something that's only 10 years old. Makes a change. (laughs) IBM do not feature in this segment. Well, they are fucking. Neither does Tim Berners Lee. Ah. But there is a like a disgusting pervert involved somewhere along the line. Oh, there's many, many (laughs) disgusting perverts. There wasn't to begin with, we just decided he was, so that's fine, that's fine. So, uh, before Bitcoin was the thing, does anybody, do you know what Bitcoin is? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, you don't, but good for you for trying. Um, Just keep listening, you'll get it. He's this cocky the whole way through. He's this cocky the whole way through. It's a nightmare. So, we've got a number of, uh, a group of people who call themselves cypherpunks and their whole... Sorry? Nerds. There's quite a few of them in this room. I probably shouldn't be too disparaging. (laughs) (laughs) You co-host a podcast with one, right? <laughs> it's produced by another, and I'm pretty sure 90% of our listenership. Don't get me started on Anonymous. Oh, Christ. Um, yeah, so before Bitcoin was a thing, uh, a group of people called the Cypherpunks, who basically, uh, their big thing is libertarianism, uh, and they want freedom for all and stuff. It's all a bit strange. <laughs> they sound like real weirdos, Rob. Yeah, no, basically, a bunch of weirdos <laughs> were trying to work out a new way to do money on, uh, say, the internet. 
and they haven't tried Monopoly. Well, that's not on the internet, and it's not real money. No. Like the guy in Sainsbury's told you. Agree to disagree. Effectively, to trace the beginnings of Bitcoin back and the beginnings of cryptocurrency back, we've got to look at two guys, one called David Chaum and another one called Stefan Brands, who developed something called eCash. Imaginative. eCash. Well, it's like electronic cash. We've talked about this before. Nerds, not good at naming things. Always bad names. Um, at least they didn't come up with like something like it was EMS, the Electronic Monetary System. They did though, didn't they? No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and off the back of those guys doing that thing, which I have no more notes about, so we're just going to assume that it doesn't really matter, because it doesn't. Uh, a chap called Adam Back developed something called Hashcash. Not, hashcash? Not the I first used to deal in a lot of Hashcash when I was in university, Rob. <laughs> In fact, all my cash was hash cash. Some of it was green cash. But only when I was lucky. Uh, and God, my family listened to this. Christ. <laughs> we, we are going to jail, aren't we? I cut a very large bit it's out okay, of the podcast about me talking about drugs. I'm, I'm guessing that you, you already know a couple of guys who are in there, so yeah. we're fine. Um... <laughs> It occurs to me I haven't rewritten these notes at all. So basically, we get a concept called BitGold, we get another concept called um, uh, Hashcash based on proof of work, blah, 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 blah. Cool. Yeah. Well, honestly, this shit is really boring to anybody who's not massively nerdy, full on, hard on about cryptocurrency. So we're going to skip it. Keep giving me a bunch of names. Nick Zabo. Um, instigated some additional aspects including a Byzantine fault tolerant uh, agreement protocol based on quorum addresses to sort and transfer the chain proof of work solutions which was vulnerable however to civil attacks right that's sorry done. Could, that's you, done with. could you start again from bit gold <laughs> nope because 8th of August 2008 do you know where you were on the 8th of August 2008 2008 when Dark Knight came out so probably watching the Dark Knight you were in the cinema I was for the 50th time arguing with them that no I don't have to buy another ticket it's the same (laughs) film (laughs) on the 8th of August 2008 the domain name bitcoin.org was registered bitcoin.org well yeah because bitcoin.com was probably taken sure or because it was a proper like nerd who understands that seriously would you like to open your beer more loudly on mic opening clunk I feel like the second part wasn't as convincing (laughs) yeah so nerds like to use orgs for like free shit like organisational stuff wikipedia.org yeah I know about things pretty sure they've also .com but there we go and um, to tell you that this was uh, a completely ham-fisted project it took until the 31st of October in the same year. They registered the domain name, the first step in all good side projects. And then it took them 10 weeks to actually do anything. And then it took them 10 weeks to release a white paper that was authored by an individual called Satoshi Nakamoto. Okay. Or, well, pseudo-anonymous individual group of individuals. It could have been Tim Mosley for all we know. It could have been. Uh, and it was entitled Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer electronic cash system. And it was posted to a cryptography mailing list because Whoa. he really wanted to get this shit out. And there. seriously, if you if you if you subscribe to the cryptography ma- mailing list, you fuck. I mean, those guys get they get some. Oh god, they're all here. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Silence. That's so weird. Some of you I know, but okay. So after the 31st of October white paper, and the white paper basically described the concept of Bitcoin that we're going to get into in way more detail than anybody cares for in a moment. Uh, on the 3rd of January 2009, 
the Bitcoin network, as it is, was, is, uh, came into existence. Uh, Satoshi Nakamoto mined the Genesis block. <laughs> which is like block zero, the first block. This honestly sounds like a Star Trek episode. And it earned him a reward of 50 bitcoins, him or her, or them. But he invited them. He invented them. Yeah, he did. So he could have been... He could have rewarded himself 50,000. Oh, bitcoins. wait. Uh, but the first block was mine. Gave him 50 bitcoins, which he can never spend because technology. Uh, and with that, the Bitcoin network is live. It's alive! He probably said he was probably making that Frankenstein reference. <laughs> he sounds like that kind of guy. <laughs> probably wired the entire thing up to a massive switch that sparked when he threw it. And all it did was just I, honestly, a little nodding bird. Just anything ever that is keyboard. turned on for the first time should be an enormous sparking switch. Yeah. Don't care what it is. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, that one person. <laughs> very good, thank you. Thank you very much. Don't don't think she was laughing. I think I'm pretty sure we De- lost them definitely just having their own conversation. Definitely up there, laughing at us, definitely. Yeah, uh, yeah so uh, before we get back to the specifics, let's talk a little bit about what is a cryptocurrency. Well, I know what cryptozoology is because I've always been a big fan of Bigfoot. So I'm going to assume. It's like, it's a maybe sort of not real, but probably real bear. No, that's zoology. So money. It's a sort of real, but not tangible money. It's, it's not Swing an inaccurate description, <laughs> but it's not what I've got written down here. Yeah, well, so I'm going to come to me for research. <laughs> uh, according to Jan Lansky, who is basically a computer scientist, Bitcoin researcher, lectures on Bitcoin at the University of somewhere. I call him Big Jan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Big Yan, actually. Maybe you do. European. We're mates, right? I, I know why I call Big Jan. Uh, <laughs> a cryptocurrency is a system that meets the following six conditions. Six. Do I need to get a pen? Well, if you want to take notes. No. You never have before. <laughs> we wouldn't put it on airs for the It is years. a system that does not require a central authority and its state is maintained through distributed consensus. So basically, no one's in charge of it. Okay. That's point the first. Point the second... The system keeps an overview of cryptocurrency units and their ownership. It can tell you who's got what shit. No one controls the system, but the system keeps, still keeps tabs on who's the got what. The system itself knows yeah. who's got what. Right? Still with me? Yeah. Good. Point three. The system defines whether new units can be created. If new units can be created, the system defines the circumstances of their origin and how to determine the ownership of these new units. In other words, if you want to print money in a cryptocurrency system, mm. the system has to deal with it. Right. Seems somewhat self-evident, but anyway. Uh, point the fourth. Ownership of cryptocurrency units can be proved exclusively using cryptography. Right. If the math says no, you don't own it. Oh, I feel like you should have written the second point. If the math says no, then no, you no go to the bank. No, go direct to jail. You Do not don't. pass go. If the no? math says no, you can't buy any blow. With your fake money. Hmm. Uh, point five. <laughs> the system allows transactions to be performed in which ownership of the cryptographic units is changed. A transaction statement can only be issued by an entity proving the current ownership of these units. So see above, cryptography proves who owns what, right. and you're only allowed to actually send what you got to him, her, them, right. if the system can verify that you own the stuff you say you well. Right. It's like right? a boring Asimov's laws, isn't it? Uh, well, there's six of them, so it's twice <laughs> as boring. Uh, and, point the sixth, if two different instructions for changing the ownership of the same units are simultaneously entered, the system performs at most one of them. Right. That seems redundant. 
if he gets two things to do with the same thing, it only does one of them. Yeah. Sure. But okay. see above, because again, these laws kind of stack. They're not laws, they're guidance rules. Has anyone ever said that sounds an awful lot like the plot of Tron? No. Because the game bits can only do what the game bits can do. All right, go on. I'll but they'll only be replaced when they're destroyed. And if, if, they, if they have to kill two people, they'll only kill one of them. I'm reaching here, man. I'm, like, I'm just trying to spice this up. <laughs> it's not worked. It's fine. Let's move on. I'm, I'm staying quiet so that we can inject the sound of the bit from Tron going, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, right, so. Everybody clear on the six laws? Rules. Guidelines. <laughs> All together. Perfect. <laughs> Honestly, couldn't have written that. Yes. <laughs> Does anybody listen to our quantum episode? Yeah, this is more of the same. <clears throat> we did a quantum episode? Christ, on a bike. Oh, no, that was with the other mic. <laughs> He's yeah. over there. Uh, okay, so what makes it work? What makes cryptocurrencies work? There's a clue in the name. Uh, they're a currency. They're crypto. Yes. Short for... 50-15, I got it wrong. God damn it. Short for crying raptors. No, it's not an anagram. Okay, what is it then? What does it mean? It's short for cryptography. Oh, well, I thought that was... Right, okay. so specifically, we've got two types of cryptography, uh, or cryptology, no, cryptography, cryptography. Uh, in play in a cryptocurrency. The first we've talked about before. In oh, our very asymmetric encryption. Yes! Our very first episode! Our very first episode back in January 2017. <laughs> the only thing I remember about that is the title of it. <laughs> then I mean, I've, I remember I've made a lot of assumptions. <laughs> in which case, I remember loads of it and it's fine. Right, sure, so uh, quick, quick little notes version. Asymmetric uh, cryptography involves the concept of a public key and a private key. Right? So your public key can be made public, anybody can have it, your private key you keep private <laughs> because you can use your private key to do stuff like encrypt information or sign information that can then be verified with your public key. Okay, so <laughs> how does this fit into uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies? Well, fundamentally, uh, your public-private key comprise your wallet. Yes, okay, yes. Now, wallet yes. is something I've heard of. Good. In that I've heard the word. Awesome. online. You have one. Yeah. In your I pocket. And you're not pleased to see me. Um, <laughs> so, uh, in the case of Bitcoin, this allows users to inject um, a spend request, effectively, into the network. To right. say, I want to send money to him, her, them. Right. Uh, but it allows them to very clearly and very securely sign that request using their private key. Yep. So that you know it's definitely them. 100%. Because it's private to them. And the public key, which is shared publicly, can then be used to verify that that request is definitely them. By looking at it against the the tracking that the network uses to self-automate itself, to yeah. self-regulate itself. Totally. Which sounds, like, really obvious. But that might be why I got it then. <laughs> um, but when you consider the entire banking system currently operates on the system of massive trust, whereby if I try to send you uh, money, then... Bank. I'm assuming you bank with for some reason uh, trusts HSBC Bank who I do not bank with at all um, <laughs> that the instruction that I've sent them is in fact me yes. the entire system is built on a massive amount of mutual trust at no sure. point is there any real verification yeah, especially if you're going across bank in, inside yeah. the bank is a different thing um, so well that's all I've got on my bit great uh, the second element of <laughs> Second element of cryptography that we use in cryptocurrency is the concept of hash. 
Yeah. Again. Yeah. Hashing Can't do specifically. It. Cryptographic hashes. Well, yeah. Do you know what a hash is? <laughs> it's like chopped meat and veg that you like chop up really finely and then cook it in a frying pan. Oh, look, like and a corned beef. Yeah, like yeah. a corned beef hash, exactly. A delicious breakfast. This is a currency based on a delicious breakfast. Where, where's that wrong button? Can somebody do <laughs> it? No, okay. Uh, I feel yeah, like, I feel I like mean, you set me up a failure there, to be honest. Okay. Uh, I don't think that a tasty corned beef snack would be particularly useful in a revolutionary international monetary system. It might be more satisfying. Oh, it would most certainly be more satisfying. Uh, no, so a hash is basically a cryptographic treatment of data whereby you put data in and you get data out. Right, and they didn't Hands. have another word that wasn't already be using, being used for several other things. Uh-huh. Like they hadn't been like, oh, is this this isn't before hashtags? Uh, probably. I'll give them a pass then. Okay. In which case, I've got a problem with the people who made up the word hashtag. Why? Because they it was already worth a bitcoin, and now you're just confusing them. It's not just bitcoin, cryptography. This is much more than bitcoin. Well, then there you are. Exactly. Then they should know, shouldn't they? So sorry about this. This is about something else. I apologise, the audience. Apparently, not sure what. Uh, hashing is uh, the mechanism by which you put data in one side, you get data out the other side, and they have a couple of properties, not least of which the data you get out of the other side in most hashing algorithms is always the same length. Right. The data that you put in can be anything and can be any length. Right. So you could hash um, a six-letter string right. or word. You could hash the entire works of William Shakespeare. Oh, say a line of poetry or something. Yep, you could hash the entire video production of John Shear. Okay. The output is always consistently, however long the hash algorithm determines it's going to be. Right. And. But won't necessarily be the same thing that you put in. Uh, no, absolutely it will not, because right. there are two significant additional properties. Yeah. One, if you put the same input in, the output hash is always the same. Right. 100%. Okay. If you change the input even slightly, so you go from like a lowercase m to an right. uppercase m, right. um, the hash will be completely different. Okay. Significantly completely different. And hashing is one way. There is no way to go from the output hash back to what was put in. Right. So you can't decrypt a hash. Yes, because it's too well. If you'd like to grab that bit of paper that's currently buried under a ton of stuff to your left. Okay. This is a trick. Well, it wasn't until we buried it under a ton of crap. Oh. So uh, this is a. uh, Mike is currently looking at, and we will pass around because I only did one. A SHA-256 hash for the letters W-D-A-W-K-T. I want to check how good the eyesight of our audience is. Can you see this? What if I move it around? Let me, this will be can, can we turn the, the lights down a little bit lower to make <laughs> yeah. it easier for you? Right, so they look to be the same length. Just uh, they are exactly the same length. They're 256 oh. bytes. But this one's got a small T, this one's got a big T. And how different are the hashes? Look at them. They're, they're crazy. Totally different. So it's W-D-A-W-K-T in capitals. It's W-D-A-W-K-T with a small T. Totally different. Totally. Except that they both begin with A. Shut sure. Um, but that's not a thing. That's just a coincidence. Right, so, if we take the principle that we can put data in, <laughs> and uh, we get the same data right every time, right. Um, what we can actually start to do is build up a chain of information <laughs> that Ooh, can be verified end-to-end. Right. So, if I have bit of data number one, yeah. and I put that through a hashing algorithm, it gives me a hash. Yep. I then take the hash and bit of, bit of data number two right. and put that through a hashing algorithm. It will yeah. give me another single hash. Yeah, yeah, so it's constantly changing. and that. But and you that. could never change it back, but those numbers are always no. unique. Also, to if I get bit of data number seven 
Right. I want to verify that the chain is correct. Yes. All I have to do is go back to bit of data number one right. and run the calculations myself. Oh, because, okay, right, yeah, 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 sure. Makes okay. sense. So it's verifiable but not reversible. 100%. Right. And by okay. chaining these bits of data together, what we end up with is... A block of chains? Yes! Nailed Actually, it! a chain of blocks. I am now... <laughs> I'm now the most knowledgeable person at the place I work about blockchain. <laughs> People right. think I know things like this at work. People say, you're a blockchainist. And I'm like, yeah, man, it's like, it's ashes, isn't it? And then they just go, yeah, okay, because they don't know either. They don't actually <laughs> use, like, lines of chains, by the way. They use a tree. Oh, of course. Why wouldn't you? Um, because, you know, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, there's lots of good reasons why you will. I'm not going to get into what a Merkle tree is. Cause I'm going to put it down to, I'm going to put it down to hipsters. <laughs> Yeah, all right. Is there anyone else in our audience that we haven't alienated yet? So I've gone off to nerds. I've gone off to hipsters. Anyone else? Anyone feeling unalienated? <laughs> <laughs> Don't be shy. Well, I picked on him directly earlier, so it's definitely not him. <laughs> right, so I think we've now got the tools. So we've got public-private key, we've got hashing, which means right. we can talk about how they actually process information on the blockchain and how it all kind of works. Right. So we need to introduce a whole other set of actors, which are the miners. Yes, now this. Hi ho. Hi ho. Don't get, so it's lucky that we're here. Good, okay. I <laughs> uh, may or may not get it at the end of this. So. Look, I'm going to be positive regardless, so it'll be fine. Same as everyone. You can just <laughs> nod and smile. Uh, so, uh, mining is the process of searching for the next bit of information in the blockchain, right? And right. the reason they do it is because if they find the next bit of information, they get rewarded with Bitcoin. So they're running calculations to find the next hash, which rewards them with more Bitcoin. By George, I think he's got right? it! Yeah! Yeah! I'm not going to remember tomorrow, but yeah! Specific. Honestly, never been proud of myself. This is so sad. Specifically, <laughs> what they do is they take all of the transactions that are currently floating around in the network that aren't in a block, so everything that's been kind of spent since the last block was created or mined. Right, okay. Um, which could be some, could be none. You know, so, but they can't it. exist anymore because you can't repeat them. So uh, they can take them out of the yeah, No, no, no. You're doing that thing where your, your uh, mouth works faster than your feet. Um, <laughs> like when I'm running into a foot long hot block. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's just yeah. all mouth. <laughs> let's go hot dog. No, anyway, no, no, no. Let's go <laughs> so they take <coughs> all of the current transactions uh, made since the last part was found, right. and they try to find a new value right. that actually matches the hash of those transactions and meets certain criteria. Right. So they do this by adding. <laughs> they <coughs> too much hash, mate. You know what? <laughs> So they do this by adding random information to the existing transactions in order to try and generate a hash that fits within the criteria that the network has set. Right. Why do we have criteria? Well, a couple of reasons. One, it means that it's hard to find the next thing. Sure. So if you're just like, find me a hash, and like, there's said. one. Sorry, I had to get it quick, that's what she what? said. Oh, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, so uh, if, if you just said find me a hash of this information, you'd be like, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah, So you yeah, need yeah, to yeah, add yeah. some kind of like treasure huntiness to it. Mm -hmm. um, also, by virtue of narrowing or broadening the bounds, uh, you can introduce the concept of difficulty. How okay. easy or hard is it to find the next thing? 
Right. Because Bitcoin has been designed, modelled cryptographically to follow, for example, the search for physical gold. The more of it you right. find, the harder it is to find the next couple of bits. Because it's a finite amount. Yeah. Right. You know, in the early days, people were just walking around tripping over gold. And Bitcoins. And, uh, well, oh, indeed. this Zoom has made me bust my knee. <laughs> I assume you save all your Bitcoin on Zooms. Who doesn't? Yeah. Um, the only reason Zooms are so expensive on eBay. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so... Can I ask a question? Go for it. God help me. If it's a new currency that's going to, like... this is, if, if, Is it meant to rival the fiat currencies? I don't know. But if it is, then... Why make it hard for people to find? Why not just propagate it amongst the population? Oh, we'll come back to that in a minute. Cool. <laughs> cool. I'll write it down. Cool. He's not going to write it down. I'm literally miming writing on my hand. So, the miners <laughs> produce a hash within a certain range, and if when they find it, they take the transactions, add them into a block, and then, importantly, they mm-hmm. send the entire lot over to other miners to validate. Right. Okay. They say, this is what we got. They run the same calculations, right? they verify their information and yes. make sure it's a legit thing. But they're right. not just running the calculations, because what they actually do is they also check all of the public-private key exchanges in uh, the transactions. Right, okay. So they're checking everything that's happened in all of those transactions. But to you make don't get rewarded for verification, you only get rewarded for mining. You get a tiny, tiny, tiny little reward for verification, but mostly the big money is in finding the next block. Sure, okay. Um... If the block is valid, the originating miner is rewarded with Bitcoin and the block is added to the chain mm-hmm. and everybody stops, drops and rolls and goes around again. Is it a set amount of Bitcoin that they get or does it depend on the cryptocurrency that they're using? Oh, it is? definitely depends on the cryptocurrency they're using. Right. Under Bitcoin it's a set amount but the amount itself can change depending on time, depending on the number of Bitcoin that are remaining to be found. There is right, a so there's, what is it, fewer, your reward is smaller the fewer the Bitcoin. Yeah, so it halves every so often. And have they found all the Bitcoin? No, and they're not due to until about 2120, I think. Until I um, found out about it, my friends. Oh yeah, you're going to get right on it. 10am uh, tomorrow, I'm coming back here, getting up the phone. Your electro pickaxe. Yeah. Your phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. well, it's better than electro pickaxe, thanks very much. So this... <laughs> don't know why I'm so defensive in this podcast. We need to let the pickaxe kicks ass. <laughs> anyway, you go, go, The go. phone is mightier than the electron pickaxe. <laughs> uh, because this is a form of something that we call brute forcing, right. it's incredibly computationally expensive. So you have to do loads and loads of guesses, right? Sure. And literally, all they're doing is guessing. These Bitcoin miners, right. with their Rolls Royces and their cool... It's like when they're trying to unlock a, a, a digital lock in a film and they have the digital lock thinger that they put on the and thing go, and it runs all the different variations possible until it gets the right one. It's like that, but with money. Only about a gajillion times harder. Sure, well, I mean, we haven't got Q to try. So, when Bitcoin first came out, it was relatively straightforward. You could more or less solve the problem using, like, a home computer. Right. Yeah, that was easy enough. Um, Otherwise, it wouldn't have been worth launching it at all if people had to own supercomputers to do it. Very quickly, the difficulty in the problem that needed to be solved, the bounds to the hash that you wanted to find, right. uh, increased to the point where you could only really do it using something that did lots of parallel computations very quickly. Right. Which meant everybody started using the graphics cards in their ah. PCs. Because yes, they're really good uh, yeah. at doing lots of stuff simultaneously and very fast. Now, I asked a close friend of ours about why they stack up all the graphics cards to find the bitcoins. You know what I'm talking about. He's in the and he said it's because the bitcoins are exactly the right size to fit between them and hide them yep. and I kind of believed him he did because <laughs> for a second I was like do you get a bag full of coins with B on them that looks a bit like a euro 
Turns out no. I, I was there when you challenged that. Like <laughs> an hour too it late. It was like watching an, a car crash. <laughs> could not look away. Um, yeah, so uh, eventually graphics cards were not fast enough, so they ended up building very specific hardware right. that only does one thing, right. and that thing is to solve this hashing problem. But wasn't there a shortage in graphic cards at one point because people were buying them up so much to mine? Oh, yeah. It, this has had, like, market-affecting impact. All this stuff I've read on websites is starting to make sense. Well, <laughs> oh, that's why. That, that I'd be very surprised if you popped your local library and read a book on Bitcoin at this <laughs> well, point. Yeah, indeed, yeah. Um, yeah, so they ended up building something called uh, ASICs, which are... Um, no idea what that stands for. That's really embarrassing. Instructions in there somewhere. Or not. Oh, it's the I. It, yeah. <laughs> if I can help. Anyway, so these are things that these are specialised computer chips that are only good at solving the problem that Bitcoin asks you to solve. Right. Sha two four six. Yeah, sure. And even that wasn't enough, so they started putting these things into massive, great warehouses. Right. Uh, putting them somewhere where the electricity was cheap and absolutely hammering so like away at these problems. Of old, like rooms yeah, and rooms but and rooms. a supercomputer is useful, right? You can yeah. use a supercomputer to land on Mars. Uh, NASA did yesterday. Yeah, yeah. this morning, in <laughs> yeah. fact. Uh, you can use it to find oil. You can, uh, I don't know, use it to watch really high definition porn. Yeah, um, it's bad. You can see all the cellular ASICs, application-specific integrated circuits. There we go. Right. Totally didn't just get that handed to me on the first day. Are only good at doing this one thing. So you've got an entire warehouse full of chips that can only solve this one problem. But the expense of that, waste. presumably, the reward is worth it. Otherwise, no one would do it. Oh yeah, totally. Right. Because bitcoins is worth real money, yo. Well, no, they're not worth real money, isn't that the point? Well, no, they are. You can exchange a bitcoin for real money. Currently, well, about four thousand US dollars. Not, not, not anybody I know that's got. <laughs> there's hoarding. Oh yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of golem-esque hoarding going on. Yeah, my precious. Uh, right. So mining farms. We'll come back to why they're a problem in a bit. Right. Uh, but at this point, if you want to get started mining bitcoin, well, you're shit out of luck, son. Oh, really? Yeah, because you've got to buy a warehouse and fill it for really specialised electronic components, uh, fund it with a metric tonne of electricity, and yeah, then you're up and running. Right. So, so unlikely to be something you can do from your some very specific things. Oh, fair. Yeah. That may have been defeated. You don't know my me. personal income. You've got a, quite a good idea, but that's, you know. Back to the, uh, the, the um, what do you call it, penetration of Bitcoin into the general wide world. And uh, Bitcoin started out as a thing. There were the first couple of... I'm not loving what? a penetration. The audience is <laughs> loving a penetration like children. I didn't laugh. Come on, guys. Sorry, Rob, you were talking about deep penetration. I know, so rude. Deep penetration. As they're getting deeper and deeper. Possibly while on hash. The best type of penetration. Well, no, some of the early guys were probably on hash. But Let's be real, the guys that invented this don't know anything about penetration. The good... <laughs> Not the guys in the room. I'm sure they're crazy for it, but the guys that invented it. The good thing <laughs> about Bitcoin is that it was able to leave behind its, its hashy origins. Sure. And was immediately adopted as the go-to currency of drug dealers on the internet. Why wouldn't you? Well, so we didn't leave his no, mind. No, 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 back it up. Why would you? Well, it sounds like a bit of a ball ache, but it sounds like it's harder to like not get nicked for paying loads of five of his, fivers in at your local bank over the till. Oh, don't get me wrong, it's fairly <laughs> convenient. Uh, hypothetically. But bear in mind... <laughs> One guy that really knows what I'm talking about, the front, I'm really, like, really specific 
Anyway, let's bear, see. Bear in mind that ostensibly the whole thing about Bitcoin was, oh, it's anonymous. Nobody knows where you get it from. Sure, indeed. And it's like, that's great. But if they ever find out where you get it from, the yeah. entire record of every coin's traffic ever, so where it's been spent, where it's right. been sent, who had it, who's not, and what have you, is recorded for perpetuity in the blockchain. But because it's not regulated, doesn't it mean that no one can seize those records? So regardless well, they of They don't the fact need to seize them. They're public. Oh, okay. Okay, so they just need to know and then they can just look it yeah. up. Yeah. So it's basically, you know this thing that, um, in fact, I think there was a story in the news not too long ago, like last right. couple of days, um, about a bus driver who managed to get um, a court case that he was high overturned because he maintained that the reason the drug test came back positive was because he'd been handling a bunch of banknotes and the cocaine residue on the banknotes was that what caused a, him to... He got off, right? That is a Bill Clinton level of excuse. Oh, yeah, that's Oh, I didn't on. have sex with that woman. No, I just <laughs> handled, is, I just handled her drug-infused notes. <laughs> that's magnificent. Um, but at the same time, if every banknote allegedly in the US has at some point touched cocaine... It's like 70% so, of 20 pound notes in the UK. Yeah, all Again, of the Bitcoin that was used to buy drugs... It's just, it's still there. Imagine yeah. if somebody was able to say, well, hang on a minute, give me that fiver, right, serial number, okay, we'll chase that back yeah, here, yeah. here, 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 and you snorted coke through this, sir. So You're are, nit, sir. But are they doing that? Well, yeah. Right, so why, so is it just the media making a panic? About what? Uh, about it not being traceable and blah, 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 blah. Oh, oh entirely. Nicking all these terrorists. I mean, don't you think if you these can, terrorists. If you, sorry, I'm assuming they even exist. Sorry, you if, know what I mean. If They're you these, can yeah. buy Bitcoin without revealing your identity, right, at all right. to anybody and transfer it to a wallet that you control that is not linked to anything else that might link back to you then you remain completely anonymous so not investment advice but is a, you are giving instructions now to be a really good drug dealer well to be fair it's nothing that wasn't already covered in the Silk Road trial <laughs> sure, yeah, fair um, which also proved just how incredibly hard this is to do yeah 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 because at some point you're going to need to spend that bitcoin. So you're going to need to send it to somebody in exchange for cash. At which yeah, point you've yeah, got yeah. a real world yeah. link back. Not a lot so, of drug dealers that are sitting on a nest egg, aren't they? Yeah, well, no, it's basically yeah. a terrible way to transact money in an illegal way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But people did it anyway. Silk Road, of course, got uh, well. Uh, Ross Ulbricht got busted. We've spoken about him before. Mm-hmm. And the Dread Pirate Roberts. Uh, the Dread Pirate Roberts. He got done. And uh, we're done with drugs, to be honest, and terrorism, because uh, they're idiots. There was a study by, I want to say KPMG, I'm probably wrong, that basically said that actually they'd done an analysis of uh, Bitcoin payments and they had discovered that a vast minority of it was used for illegal activity. So stick that in your pipe and smoke it, the Daily Mail. For legal activity? Illegal. Illegal activity, sorry. Yeah. I, mean, I can't imagine that much of it is getting used for legal activity either, or getting used at all, but there we go. Uh, Bitcoin, not the only cryptocurrency, of course. Sure. Oh, you're looking at me. No, no, yeah. it's fine. Um, just wanted to get you excited. It was arguably the first. Lots of people uh, copied it. Um, they did something that we do in the open source world called forking, which right. is taking a copy of the thing and then changing it slightly. Right. Um, and what's the purpose of doing that? Well, that fundamentally, mean? it's either because you want to improve a bit of it, but you don't, you can't convince the owners of the original project to incorporate your improvement, right. or you want to tinker about with it for scientific reasons, or because you damn well can. Sure, it's all open source, right? So you can do what they're doing. Absolutely. Like Some people took the code wholesale and just put a different name on it. Yeah. So it's like, hang on a minute, isn't that Bitcoin? No, this is Blitcoin. Uh, so that's why there's like 400. There's Bitcoin X, Bitcoin, Bitcoin Gold, Bitcoin. Oh, yeah. 
freaking thousands of them. Well, we'll come yeah. onto that in a second. Yes, uh, some, as I say, took the concept and reworked elements of it to either prevent, for example, the aforementioned A6. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are certain versions of the Bitcoin protocol that are based on Bitcoin, but they change the bit where they have to solve the hash to make right. it much, much harder to do using specialized computing. Right. So they kind of... And what purpose is that? It just, prevents, for the, just for the laps. It prevents people from buying a warehouse, filling it full of specialized equipment, oh, okay. and okay. making okay. all the money in the network. Right, okay. Right. Um, Litecoin, for example, mm-hmm. arguably silver to Bitcoin's gold, mm-hmm. um, uses a slightly different hashing system. It requires much more memory than Bitcoin, and it requires more memory the more problems you try and solve. So actually brute forcing it on scale is increasingly less cost effective. Okay. So basically, the harder you try to hit it, right, right, right. the more it costs you. Yeah, yeah. So you um, stop having giant warehouses for the shit. Well, it didn't. They found ways around it because you know, <laughs> there's lots of money in this stuff. Yes, of course they uh, did, yeah. But it was a good effort. Yeah. Well done, Litecoin. Um, one of my favourite altcoins, and that's what we call them. They're altcoins. Because oh, long as not the alt-right coin, <laughs> that'd be pretty. Well, there probably is an alt-right coin. I hate to think about how you mine three. that. <laughs> no. No, no, I'm not going to no, do it. Not going to no. do it. No, no, we're moving on. I'm not going to make that joke. One of my favourites, going back to this, is a nice cute puppy on the internet called a Doge. A Doge? Yeah, and some guys, a joke, started something called Dogecoin that they based indirectly off the Litecoin code base. I've only ever read that and I honestly thought it was called Doggy Coin. <laughs> and it was a puppy, so it wasn't exactly... Alright. Oh. There's already a spelling for Doggy. Yeah, but I thought it was like cool internet spelling. Doggy. <laughs> yeah. You see? Okay. Yeah, yeah so Dogecoin. Uh, what I like about this podcast is how it really paints a real picture of my intellect. <laughs> well, it's one of those things. It's, it's one of those words. If you've only ever seen it written, yeah, right, we've yeah. all been there. Yeah, thanks for backing me up, audience. <laughs> Jesus. So Dogecoin has um, an interesting origin story and a couple of interesting developments in its life cycle. Its most interesting point is that we got a serious cryptocurrency that was meant originally as a complete joke. The two guys who created it, three guys who created it, had no intention of this ever being anything other than, it's like, yeah, we put a dog on a coin. <laughs> really? Yeah. So why do people start taking you seriously? Well, Because it was a particularly cute dog? Because it was a very cute dog, because it had a bit of culture, and because it was the internet. Right, okay. Um, and interestingly, I mean, Dogecoin these days is still worth pretty much bugger all in general right. terms. Uh, but it's still active. So a lot of people mine for it and all that kind of stuff, yeah, yeah. just because it's a bit of a, like a fan favourite amongst your old crypto. In its heyday, uh, Dogecoin has a couple of highlights. Right. One, uh, they actually uh, raised thirty thousand US dollars to send the Jamaican bobsleigh team to the twenty fourteen Winter Olympics. I've seen this film, and I don't remember that part of it. So it's really, it was just like a cool running inspired. Yeah, I mean, if you couldn't get any more twee, <laughs> so yeah, we've got a coin that's based on internet, dog, and we're going to sponsor cool runnings to our, actually happen. For our next trip, for our next trip, we're going to pay for the next Zach Braff film and get Wes Anderson to make a biopic of the dog. They also sponsored a NASCAR team. <laughs> right. So just and a if big you Google this, space. Google Doge NASCAR. Right. Uh, the Doggy best NASCAR. thing about it is that the car had a giant dog's face on the bonnet. Right. So I don't know how good the driver was, but can you imagine being in the car in front of that? Do you think there were a lot of you adults? You glance in your rear view and, oh, shit. Do you think there were a lot of adults in Alabama watching NASCAR and thinking, I should get into mining crypto? Mm. I would like to know what the impact of their marketing was. 
or was it just again for shits and giggles Pretty and much. they've just accidentally been popular I mean they also did a whole bunch of <laughs> other charitable <laughs> stuff uh, they raised another 35,000 for a clean water project okay yeah, that's legit that's good, good yeah. Uh, yeah the main secondary player I mean we've talked about Litecoin which is silver to Bitcoin's gold but it's kind of pretty much the same thing <laughs> Right. Um, again. That was quiet. I did it under the table. <laughs> you know, really? you see how thick these tables are. They're like mahogany. The main additional <laughs> uh, cryptocurrency coin, the main altcoin that we can't not talk about is something called Ethereum. Right. Ethereum. 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 Yes. Oh, my bad, of course. Of course. A-E-T-H? No, Ether as in the drug. Right. And E-M as in I-U-M. Yeah, why not? <laughs> right. um, Please e- tell me it's just, e- an e- it's just an ether investment company. Nope. Um, Ethereum was introduced by, well, everybody's favourite Russian anorexic, um, a chap called Vitalik Buterin, oh, who is insanely smart. Insanely what was his smart. name? Vitalik Buterin. <laughs> okay. We don't. We really do not need to take the piss out. I don't guy. need to weigh in on that. That's no, that he's, job. he's good. He's and also you, you incredibly he's rich. Right, okay. Right. Um, he's also insanely skinny. Right, okay. Like, ridiculously, right. somebody give that boy a pie like or Mr. he's going Mr. to Mr. die Mr. skinny. Mr. Burns style. Yep. Russian um, and he invented uh, Ethereum because he had a concept that he initially called a smart contract. And this was right. the idea that rather than just dealing with the sending of money to and from people, right. what we could do is we could actually take entire uh, processes or entire proofs and put those into the same system of peer review and validation and have pretty much anything on the blockchain. Right. So, so not just payments of money. Well, if you think a payment is a very simple contract, <laughs> right? It says that I, individual A, have this much money that I want to send to you, individual yes. B. Yes. Yeah. That's a contract, right? Right, yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. And that contract can be proven and challenged. Right, right okay. But there's no reason to say that you can't make that contract way more complicated. But what are the other applications of that? Damn, I was really hoping you wouldn't ask that. (laughs) I mean, the initial experiments that they ran somewhat unsuccessfully were they thought, well, actually, we could run the entire governance of a company. Voting structures, uh, shareholdings, and what have you. And we could run it all on the blockchain. Right. And they actually built this. But is that superfluous? Well, Does it need really? to be that. Hang on, because again, identified? think again. You've got a source of absolute truth. No more trust. Right. No more trusting that the company is being honest. No, okay. no more trusting okay. that the registry sure, okay. has the right data. You can verify it all the way back 100%. to the start point. Okay. Uh, so we had um, a project that actually did this. It was called the DAO. The DAO. Right. Uh, and loads of people bought into it. And the whole thing was that you actually had to put money into the system so that you would pay every time you wanted to add something to it. So you want to add a new director to a company, right. you would send a small amount of money with the contract that says, this individual is now associated with my company. Okay. So the DAO ended up holding quite a lot of money. Right. And then it turns out that somebody missed a semicolon and somebody broke it and stole it all. Oh, really? Because it turns out that writing this stuff is really, really, really Bob, hard to do. I was hoping you'd bring this up because I can reveal tonight. That man was me! I feel like you don't believe me. <laughs> no, seriously, I stole that man. Okay, I didn't steal that money. I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm going to make this one run more again. I'm sorry. Let's 
going to let me sit in it, aren't you? No, I'm done. <laughs> it's the end of the podcast. Well, it's the end of this section. <laughs> so anyway, the concept of the distributed application, undefeated by the fact that the first major one fa- fell flat on its face, right. um, continues. And so, so you far, just started it up again, brilliant, but with the colon in it. Brilliant, genius people across the world are currently trying to work out what possible useful application distributed programming could possibly have in this context. And so far, nobody's come up with anything worth a damn. Sure, okay. Well, I get that. But the technology's there, he so surely stole, it's only a matter of time. He definitely stole his own money, didn't he? No. He definitely stole No, no, money. it was definitely nicked by a third party. They can trace it, because mm-hmm. it's traceable, remember? Uh, so right, they call- so <laughs> uh, we could go through every single altcoin and tell you its backstory, oh, no, but there are, at the time of writing these notes, which was like yesterday evening, there are 1,975 listed cryptocurrencies. Right. By listed, I mean they're listed on an exchange, so you can trade them for each other and for real money if you're stupid. Yes. Which brings us to... It brings us to coin or not coin. Are you expecting more of a... They don't know the context. It's a game that we're going to play. Should maybe, yeah. So this is a quiz that we have made for Rob. Uh, and I'm going to test him as to give him some names of some real or not real coins. And he's going to tell me if they are real or not. I do have a soundboard now that I found out recently that it exists. So, we'll crack straight off with clams. 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 <laughs> Is I'm clams gonna, real? I'm going to say clams is a cryptocurrency. It is. Push the button. I just wanted to go straight for the wrong one, honestly. God. Bitcoin Ruby. Oh. Yeah, you see, you were talking about the forks before. We are. Yeah. Ruby's a programming language. Is it? It is. It's yes, also I mean, I know. That's gem. why I said that. <laughs> I'm going to go not coin. Shit. It's not. It's based on Bitcoin Diamond. So, hang on, is it or is it not a coin? It's not, but you've got that right, so you can press the green button. This is going well. (laughs) So what else you got? Cabbage. (laughs) Cabbage! That's how it was marketed. Cabbage is definitely a cryptocurrency. It was real, but it's now closed down. So... So, right, yes. What I like to do is give you a Why do I feel like I'm doing all the work here? (laughs) Because I am the puppet master. (laughs) Bible Pay. Oh, Christ. Bible Pay is not a cryptocurrency, but is a payment mechanism. It's real, and it's Bible verses, which has Bible verses coded into the blockchain. (laughs) That soundboard is good. Big up! There are big lists and the ones that make me laugh are on there. The scary thing is, the more of these that I'm like, that can't possibly be. I think it is a cryptocurrency. It is real. Of course it is. And the tagline is, Big Up is about being big. (laughs) Which didn't mean a lot then, and a whole other stuff that didn't mean anything to me on the website. Pudsy Coin. Not a cryptocurrency. It's not. I based that one on Panda Coin, which is crypto for beginners. Beginners, presumably, with like a degree in mathematics, because I didn't understand the fucking website. Um, Angela Merkel coin. <laughs> I mean, if it is, it's fairly recent. What's your answer, um, Rob? I'm gonna have to press you for an answer. I'm gonna say it's not a cryptocurrency. It's not. 
It is based on Theresa May coins. What? When I clicked on the when I clicked on the website, it was extremely fucking sketchy. Like I could have made the website, and I very hastily exited before reading anything else. And our last one, I think. By the way, just to be clear, Theresa May coin is what we're all going to be using after Brexit. <laughs> and our last one, Ponzi coin. <laughs> Yeah, why not? That's definitely a cryptocurrency. It is real. Or rather it was. It advertised itself as, this is a Ponzi scheme. And it's now recently shut itself down because they were clearly getting sued. And the website says, this was a parody and I didn't steal anything. Which is a famous Honest. thing that people say that steal stuff. So yeah, um, pretty good, Rob. Well done. I'd say 50-50. Didn't take as long as 50 50. I got one wrong out of 10. 50 50. Guys, what do you think? 50 50? Yeah, see? 50 50. Give me even odds. Motherfuckers. Pretty good. So after that resounding triumph, where I only got one wrong. Five of 10. We've got a recording of it, Rob. Don't make a fool of yourself. All right, history will judge me. So you may not. Jokes on you, I write history books. That's my job. I professionally write history books. His figures. Yeah. Uh, it's time to amaze you with our amazing fact. Because this hasn't been amazing enough already. It's true. <laughs> I mean, no, it has. So, anybody who's into cryptocurrency will know that December of last year was kind of a big deal. Because yep. everything went yep. fucking nuts. It went crazy. It went absolutely hogwash. Would you describe it as loco? I would describe it as uh, loco down in Acapulco. <laughs> Because you're my dad. <laughs> and okay, okay. to frame you by probably, way of an amazing fact just how loco this shit went, just how crazy this went, Yes. in December 2017, right. the total market capitalization of all cryptocurrencies, so the total value, if you were right. to exchange them all for cash then and there, right. uh, stood at... 573 billion US dollars. So there were a thousand of them recently. So 573 billion dollars? Yep, in December of last year. So like how many countries are poorer than that? Well, to put it in context, that's give or take in the same year, that's the annual GDP of Sweden. <laughs> okay. they got a good quality of life over there too. Oh, they do. Wow. Aqua V is not cheap. So there you go. 573 billion dollars. That's a lot of zeros. Yeah. It's After a lot, 570. That's a lot of hash. That's a lot of hash. The Taliban would have a trouble getting that sort of, I mean, nothing. I mean, nothing. <laughs> Imagine if you cut that down, you melted a load of plastic bags and credit cards into it, mix it with a bit of petrol, you could turn that into hundreds, a thousand billion easy. Yeah, no problem. I mean, I mean, I mean nothing. If you cut it right. Jesus. I mean, that's source value, street value, obviously. Yeah, add a zero. <laughs> yeah, obvious. <laughs> Yeah, more I'm money just, than Sweden makes in a <laughs> year. That is insane. More uh, than Sweden. Yeah, and uh, for anybody else who was still paying attention, you'll realise that, of course, that was an unsustainable bubble and the arse promptly fell out of the cryptocurrency right. market and it's probably more like about a tenner. That's 500 times adjusted for inflation how much Hans Gruber wanted to steal. It is. Yeah, yeah see, cool back. Jokes and jokes and jokes. So where's, <laughs> where, where's cryptocurrency going? Down. Well, hopefully not any <laughs> I mean, further. I mean, no. I don't think at this point in the year we can we can sustain any more losses. 
It can just stay there for a bit. It does make me laugh when somebody says, well, the house is falling out, but it's only worth $4,000 each. Yeah, what a nightmare. What do you buy them? You all bought them for $30 each, you wankers. Shut up. I was thinking about the poor bastard you bought in January when it was 10 grand. Well, yeah. yeah, Oh, this is it. My ticket to the gravy train. Yeah, they read a thing on The Guardian and they thought they'd get in late, but no. (laughs) Oh, you wankers. Three months skiing doesn't even touch a side. It's not like I'm talking about a very specific person in the room at all. So the future, the future of cryptocurrencies. A couple of things we've got to talk about. I sure. Mean, they're, they're very real a and pressing more. concerns. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's talk about the philosophy behind it. Okay. Well, I mean, we live in a time of political uncertainty. It's about libertarianism, isn't it? Well, about freedom. It's, it's about, about away freedom. from government control. Yes. Which may or may not actually prove to be useful. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you figure as a store of value, as a transfer of value, it could right. be useful. Right. But nobody's actually transferring it because they're all just holding it. It'd be really it. good if you lived in like a really oppressive government yeah. and it was like unregulated. It'd be a really good way. Yeah. And it is unregulated. Yeah. So you can hold it and own it without too much fear of repercussion. Provided you don't lose the hard drive. Like Indeed. that episode of Big Bang Theory. I think we've all seen that. Or that very real guy in Wales. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, he lost, he lost a thumb Jonah, drive. He lost it in a whale. <laughs> it's a labour joke. Yes. It's that time of night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> he lost a thumb drive containing all of his Bible coin. Yeah. Luckily, Pinocchio found it years later. Anyway, um, yeah, go on. <laughs> so, um, it does mean a couple of things that um, have happened in traditional fiat monetary supply cannot happen in cryptocurrency. And these are things that have caused massive problems, um, economically speaking, despite the fact that a whole bunch of people who were very smart and very well paid stood up and said they wouldn't. Uh, so quantitative easing. Right. The process by which a government realises, oh shit, we need more money, so and print just print money. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, don't be wrong, economically speaking, may or may not be a bad thing, but the way the Americans did it was a terrible thing. Uh, and the idea that that then leads rise to inflation, the fact that your money's worth less year on year, which is retarded because it's money, so how can it possibly be worth less next year than it was today? But that can't happen with cryptos because there's a set amount to mine from the outside. Absolutely, and right. in fact, at some point, there will be no more to mine, so it will actually become deflationary. But it's it'll still, become worth more year But the value year. of it that people are selling it to actual, honest-to-God, fiat money, uh, that value of that does change. Oh, massively. It's like crazy. So that only makes sense provided you're only dealing in the cryptocurrency, not selling it for real money. Just want to make sure or if you value it in terms of goods that can be purchased, for example. Or just try to bragging rights at the Aquavit bar on the slopes of Australia. What, you just get in there and just pull out your roll, your wad of Bitcoin. Look at the size of this hard drive. With a money clip around it still because you're that gauche. <laughs> you're that gauche. Strip, strip bars get really weird. <laughs> just chucking USB thumb drives at strippers. Just tucking a <laughs> Raider into a trust G-string. Me. <laughs> Don't trust me. Take a minute and verify it. It's a trustless system. <laughs> Don't worry, it's clean money. You know where it's from. <laughs> so, of course, uh, the government uh, has realised that this stuff is very much anti-government and therefore trying to make it a bit governmental by regulating it. Sure. So we've got all sorts of regulations springing up. The trouble is that, hilariously, depending on who you talk to, they treat it as something different. But the first one of the six things you said at the beginning, I remember, Ooh. was that it can't be regulated. No, it says that it can't be owned. Oh, so control. we can't be... Oh, okay. Right. Which remains true. But isn't regulation a form of control? It not? is, absolutely. Which is why, hilariously, <laughs> the government's trying to do it. This is what our podcast is wrong, isn't it? Because I keep asking questions like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But the bigger problem that we've got at the moment is depending on which government, which country, and in some countries, which part of the government you talk to, they right. all define it as something different. And also, the vast majority, presumably, of these people are 50-year-old white guys who don't understand what it is anyway, so yeah. nailing down how to regulate it doesn't really work. Well, my iPad ain't working. Turn it over. People uh, in France don't get it, you say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the French, notoriously, very bad at technology. They're not. They're brilliant. Um, the biggest real problem that we're facing that nobody can argue with is that all of these computer chips whirring away making this money out of thin air. Sure. Mining this money, solving these problems. They all require electricity, which means there is a massive energy cost. Right. to running a cryptocurrency network. Ooh. Do you know anything about the carbon footprint of that versus printing actual money? Um, yes, it's significant. Uh, Honestly, thought I was going to catch you out. No, there was uh, a review recently that said that basically a single Bitcoin transaction uses a thousand times more energy. Seems like a conveniently round number. It does seem like, like Just for the sake of It was exactly a thousand. I don't know what to tell you. I put all Would the things in Excel it? and I it came out and said a thousand. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, about a thousand times more electricity than a Visa card payment. Right. Which still uses a computerised network and a global system. Uh, the trouble is that uh, last big survey they did, they worked out the uh, electricity consumption of Bitcoin alone, mm -hmm. running the Bitcoin network, runs to the tune of about 3 gigawatts per year, which is the electricity consumption of Ireland. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love these things. <laughs> could all be bollocks and I'm still like, incredible. This is all verifiable. <laughs> yeah. um, now, the bigger problem is not so much the fact that uh, it uses a lot of electricity. It's that the country that's currently doing most of the mining um, is China. And they get most of their electricity from burning very, very dirty coal that they acquired incredibly cheaply through incredibly poor labour conditions. And just the bodies of dead workers. It's a humanitarian clusterfuck, to be honest. Um, at the same time, as difficulty increases, so the need, and as they run out of coal and workers, one assumes, sure. although in the case of China, probably unlikely to happen anytime soon, uh, the need to turn to <laughs> renewable energy sources or clean energy sources will manifest itself because you aren't going to want to spend the money on coal when you could just like pump water through a turbine. Right, sure. Right, so. Uh, so you're saying that big, the, the cryptocurrency is inadvertently going to lead to the rise of alternative energy sources? I would be very surprised if it's not going to have a serious positive nudge on the need. Okay, no, fair news. Okay, because the whole thing that. that makes mining profitable is cheap power. Sure. And ain't no power cheaper than. I've thought about flying a kite outside with a string in a. I'm sure somebody has. No, Thomas Edison. <laughs> <laughs> I always get the main character of Back to the Future. I consider Doc Brown the main character of Back to the Future. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> um, uh, another throwback. Quantum computing, of course, is going to change a whole bunch of stuff. Sure. Because we're going to be able to do problem solving faster, better, more productive. So we yep. need different problems to solve that are quantum proofed. Right. And presumably a quantum computer. Quantum computer could solve a very 
complicated equation like Bitcoin mining relatively quickly? Uh, considerably faster than current right. conventional computing techniques, even those them. that are dedicated to it. Right. Uh, so yeah, um, on the plus side, there are actually coins out there already that are quantum proof because they use different problems that quantum computers are shit at solving. Right. And I'm trying to avoid going into any details because, well, if you need to know why, listen to but Q for quantum computing. It feels like a, a Bitcoin that requires a quantum computer to mine for it is aimed at a very niche, small amount of people. Like, you know, the Chinese government. And that's about it. It's, it's not, not like there's people in the garage for no, the quantum computer. No, it's not computer. about making something that you can only mine with a quantum computer. It's about making something whereby having a quantum computer does Makes not give you any advantage. Oh, okay, okay. Um, which you can do on a conventional computer. Yeah. So that's all good. And I just use a cool. pattern paper. And that's it. Hmm. I mean, it's not, because there's like a ton of stuff that I haven't even talked about. Um, and there's. Well, this is the time, Rob. If you've got to get it out, get it out. You guys aren't going anywhere, are you? You're not working tomorrow? They are sat in rapt no. attention. Load them. Look at them all. No. So we're done. And I would like to close with a quote from a chap called Dave Birch. Um, who is basically um, a currency and financial systems expert mm -hmm. um, who reminds us that it's very important to remember that despite being seen as a magical totemic instrument of utopianism 99.5% of this stuff is complete bollocks This has been the tech segment of We're Drunk and We Know Things recorded in front of an enthusiastic Oh, now you cheer. <laughs> You've got now to talk to me, and I'm saying you've got now to press the buttons. Uh, and wonderful crowd at the wonderful pizza project. Uh, we've drank lots of beer. We've ate wonderful, wonderful pizza. We've been served by the amazing Flasher M's, Jadasaurus, the Wizard, and the Pizza Geek. It's been a hell of a night. Thank you for bearing with us, especially during Die Hard. Apologies. We will see you next time for what comes after Rex. Thank you. We're doing why next time. And, and you know who are asking, what they're asking, our audience are asking. They're asking why. Why? Why, why are we still here? Why? <laughs> our best things in life are free. But you can give them to the birds and bees. I need Okay. Has everyone got enough booze? Because I've got beers left if anyone needs beers. Yeah. You want a beer? Want a beer? Dealer's choice, you're getting a Breaks Beers Bitter. Literally just bribing people to stay with ale. So shockingly not working hugely well. Which is absolutely not <laughs> Stop doing that! Oh my god! People from work listen to this, man! We have to beat that. I'm not even slightly kidding. No, that's not going to make the edit. I'm just going to wind you up. I mean, look how red you've gone. <laughs> it's cute. <laughs>